Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, it's Lisa Lampanelli, formerly the queen of mean, now the queen of meaning, with you today on Let Lisa Help, the podcast you never knew you really needed, and now you don't really want. We are going to talk today with my guest co-host, comedian, actor, fabulous piece of manhood, Adam Ferrara. We are going to be talking about his Italian guilt, learning how to have compassion and empathy for others, even though we're bugging the crap out of us, and all the rest tied to our crazy egos. And we will be taking some emails from people who need our help, and I might give it and I might not, depending what mood I'm in. Okay, big, big freaking spoiler. I'm in the mood. Lastly, we will hear from one of my coaching clients to tell me what's wrong with me, how I've been a great inspiration to them, and what I need to change, even though I know I'm emotionally and physically perfect. Coming up on Let Lisa Help. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli here. Welcome to a new exciting episode of Let Lisa Help, the show in which I force my help upon you with the help of my special guest co-host. This week, it is none other than the fabulous comedian slash actor slash kinky piece of ass. <laughs> Adam Ferrara. Because Adam, I remember oh, one night are. with you, my God, we mm. were at the Comedy Cellar. Yes, we were. And we had such a good time. And yeah. I remember giving you a ride home. Yeah. And I haven't seen you since. Since, yeah. It's 108 pounds ago for me. I know. I was like, where is the rest of you? It's baby? like 20 years ago. It had to be. And I was like, after that night, I said to myself, as I was driving home, it was like four in the morning, I go, I bet me and Adam are really going to be friends. Yeah. And there it is, 20 years later, well, I still know you. Yes, yes. And, and, and life happened, took us apart, and now it brought back together and I yes. thank you. And, and look at this. You guys can't see because it's a podcast. I'm beautiful. Yes, she is. Then Adam, you probably know that mm. I retired from stand-up comedy. I, I am no longer the queen of mean. I'm now the queen of meaning. Okay. Can I, I help say people. Something? Uh, I didn't mean to you may, the ramble. You, may. you want to go again? No, no, please. Uh, no. I never thought of you as the queen of mean because Aww. you were so sweet. And so nice. And I knew you was a person. Mm. And I knew that like, I'm like, that's funny. Everything you did was funny and it made me laugh. And yeah. very courageous what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And there was meaning behind it and I liked it. But I knew that uh, that wasn't you. And I just wanted yeah. to ask the question when you retired from stand-up, by the way, ballsy. Oh, yeah. I mean- Because our identities are so connected to our work and outcome. Right. Well, I think what, what happened was I no longer felt like it was bringing me that joy mm. it used to. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, let's find the next thing that brings joy. Mm -hmm. So- yeah, it's a gutsy move in that, oh, you know, it's risky financially or whatever. Yeah. But you know what? I said to myself, literally, Adam, this mm. is how I tell people now with coaching how to change their life. You say, what's the worst thing that can happen and do it anyway? Because yeah. what, am I really going to be homeless? No. I can always type. That's what my biography right. should be called. I can always type. I can always pour coffee. Right. No job is too small for me. And I'm like, you want to know what's interesting? You would love this. Yeah. Yesterday, I landed at the airport at LAX. I have a friend picking me up. Mm. I'm doing my own baggage. I'm getting it off the thing myself because God forbid he would actually come in and help. <laughs> I am in coach 
two seats because I needed one for my dog. Got it. And didn't do the bitch move of having the service dog, the fake service dog. I actually paid for the dog and I'm staying in the Airbnb. And I'm like, wow, look at me, how the mighty have fallen, right. but by choice. Mm. And I think that's what people forget is that ego is so attached to the $1,500 a night hotel, sure. to the, the first class. If there's ego involved, we got no business doing it anymore. Yeah. So now it's just like, oh, look at me and the money I saved. That's so good. I think it's just a shift, yeah. you know? Well, the shift – okay, let me ask you about the shift. <laughs> the shift from um, – uh, see, because I'm, I'm going through that at this point in my life. Mm. I'm shifting from trying to get something to trying to be something. Mm. And and the theory is when, you, when, you, when you're being something – they come to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But unfortunately, that's still connected to outcome. I know. I, you got to let go of that let last piece. Let go of the outcome. When you, yes. said the, when you said the mighty have fallen, I'm like, you haven't fallen because no. you, that, 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 I don't know what the language restriction is, but yeah. that, that stuff isn't, isn't mighty. It's it just, isn't. It's, it's just You're self-seeking in stuff. Right. We were talking about on a different episode about other esteem versus self-esteem. Mm. And other esteem is all that stuff. Like that stuff that adds us yeah. to our lives. We think it's going to add to our lives, but it really doesn't. Yeah. The only thing that really adds to my life, Joy, is like service mm -hmm. and helping, mm -hmm. but not to the extent of not helping myself. Self-sacrifice. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, that's the worst. And that's, that's codependency. Totally. I have that and I have Catholicism. I'm screwed. Oh, me too, dude. I'm screwed on many levels. Well, hey, check this out. I was at my mother's. Now, this is me. I figure I have a lot of compassion for my mother. I'm very right. good at compassion. I'm working on empathy, which is a lot harder, which is actually putting yourself in the shoes of mm -hmm. someone. But compassion, and I go, on oh, whatever she w went through made her who she is. I forgive her, whatever. Right. Well, she has me running around for her. And I go, oh, once a week I could do it. Sure. Well, this Yenta has me going <laughs> everywhere. I'm cleaning the toilets because the cleaning lady right. had a death in the family. I'm mm. doing everything. Sure. Lisa Lampanelli's cleaning sure. toilets. So I'm like, all right, this is egoless. Isn't this great? Yeah. So I said, but I can't take one more minute out of my time. I got appointments. And she goes, Lisa, can you take me to the cemetery? Daddy died five years ago today. And of course, you know, of course I remember that's right. the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I thought I couldn't handle one more thing, meaning like I didn't have one more second. And I go, you know what? Just go. Yeah. And I go, that Catholicism sure. guilt plus death yeah. plus just codependence. Yeah. I go, the little self-sacrifice I had to do yeah. that day, all right. But that that ride for you, you yeah. needed room for your mother, yeah. you, and a minivan for the guilt and all the yeah, baggage yeah, yeah. you got to take. And the walker now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mother's got the walker too. <laughs> I hate the walker. Uh, I hate the canes. <laughs> What is this? When well, is this she's happening? very upset that the cane, I had to hide it from her because she fell. My mother, this is how guilt-ridden us Catholics are. Mm -hmm. My mother, we got her the life alert because she has to have that button to push. Got it. I found her one day, 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. She had fallen at 11 a.m. and had tried to get up for eight hours because mm. she didn't want to, quote, disturb the policeman. Yeah. So that's what we go through. Yes. And I go, and, I can't and, and be that. And that's taught to us. Right. My mother, my mother, and, but there's also, there's also another thing of, and this is, this is ma putting virtue masking fear. Yeah. Which that's a big thing. Oh, it's like, huge. My, huge. My father, my mother's in, is your mother in a, a community where? Oh no, God my, forbid. My mother's in a gated community. Right. Because apparently she can't be left unattended. Right. <laughs> she will spread guilt and lasagna through the neighborhood. <laughs> so there has to be a guard. <laughs> <laughs> right, so she goes there, and right before my dad died, you know, he was he was in he was in tough shape. So right mm -hmm. right before he died, he said, ah, you know, I did the best I could for your mother. I got her, I got her behind bars. I got her oh behind my God. the gate. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So nothing can get to her. Right. 
Right. And that, but that's the conditioning of what I grew up in. Sure. You know, is, and it, there, I have, I, I, I will, I will instinctively make the virtuous choice to benefit humanity. I'm very proud of myself, but yeah. I will sacrifice myself in the process. So now it's right. kind of. So are you at the point where, cause I know a lot of this podcast is about. I'm ready you behind glass, Travis. <laughs> I'll choke you out. But you know who that Travis are completely non-credited, non-paid producer. So there you go. Thank you for doing this out of the goodness of your heart. Uh, but no, Adam, like what you talk about, you know, whether, well, it's funny to the audience and sure. me and everybody listening. It's like, oh my God, but this is the kind of stuff we do. We yeah. do that self-sacrifice. And then we end up, in my case, it was always overeating. It mm-hmm. was always, you know, dating the wrong men. It was shopping too much. It was whatever it is yeah. to dull that thing yeah. of denying myself what I really want, taking care of them. So now I got to feel sorry for myself and feel the whole a different way. Right. So do you find you still struggle with this in life? Like what's oh, yeah. your, what's your, a lot of this podcast is about talking to people about what their big issue is. So yeah. is this one of your big ones? Yeah, this is, is finding your place in the whole and not, not with the codes, but not sacrificing mm-hmm. being of service, but not sacrificing yourself in the process. That's right. the best articulation I, at the moment of what I have. Right. And a, a lot of that, I think one of the things, because when, I, when I, I wanted to talk to you about this, because I knew that this is what the podcast was about, was it's the trust. It's mm. the trust issue that, that it's okay, even though I'm not okay. Does that make any sense? Yes. Um, it, it's Bhagavad Gita. You're entitled to your work. You're not entitled to the fruits of your labor. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's, and when you gave up stand up, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I was like, when I started to do what I want to do, which was my podcast, mm-hmm. which you're going to graciously do for me later. Sure. Grazie. Yes. Um, was I was, I told you, you were on my list. I go, that's ballsy. Yeah. Because I know who I am. The best version of me is on stage because See, I, I can't think. I, it would come through me. Want to know what's really interesting, that whole can't think thing? Mm-hmm. People always said they get that like when they're running yeah. or when they're meditating. You're going to die when you find out how I found mine. How would you find it? Forget, okay, ballroom dance. Really? This is so funny. I always had watched Dancing with the Stars and wanted to be on it. But then I go, eh, I'm not going to be on that because I was on The Apprentice and they, sure. don't, they won't have me. So when I retired from stand-up, my sister, who's involved with a charity in Connecticut, said, you know, we do this ballroom dancing event, and I know you like uh, mm. dancing and the fantasy of it, at least. She goes, can you do this for charity? I said, sure. Dude, yeah. it is the only place every day I go. I even called Fred Astaire out here to do it when I'm in L.A. because I said, oh, I have to I, – I don't think. So the best version of me comes out when I'm not thinking. And yeah. it used to be with stand-up. Yeah. Then I started thinking too much of, but, ah, you know, is this really hurting somebody's feelings or right. am I really going to kind of – do? is that what I want to represent me and my message? Courageous. I don't want to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm doing the dancing or doing the podcast or doing like even life coaching, I'm like, oh, I'm in the moment. Yeah. So the best version of me just was coming out in different ways. So that's why I got rid of the other. Right. You know, so I think we like hold on to things because we're afraid of like, oh, it's my identity. Now my identity is I'm just kind of a person. Right. Like that's why I can go in an Airbnb and not give a crap. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good because you 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 know, you got the you got you got the present moment mm-hmm. um, outside of stand. You did was the first time you experienced it in stand up. Um, for me, it was. Probably. Yeah, for me, probably. it was. I never remember being as comfortable as like yeah. going, oh, this is like eating yeah. Betty Crocker chocolate ice cream, yeah. icing right out of the can. And you know me, Adam. Yeah. I love it in the can. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry, it was irresistible. Just yeah. couldn't not yeah, see. Let Lisa help. I'm right. <laughs> let Lisa help. Lift your leg. Hey, there you go. But yeah, so would you say like how does your how do your issues quote unquote manifest in your daily life? Like what what would somebody if they were observing you go, ah, you know, he needs to work on that. Oh, um, uh, not impulse control, but re- reacting rather than responding. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. you know, we get gets written on our hard drive. And mm. the issue for me was when the best version of me, like you said, in that moment, on stage, improving, talking to the audience, no net. Right. Can't right. think. Just happens. And that instant, well, just allowing it to come through you to be the vessel. Right. But you can't do that in your life because I was, I grew up in that condition where, you know, you don't talk about your family, you know. Right. Pop, I'm not happy. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Get a yeah. mortgage. Right. Put a right. bank on your back for 30 years. You'll feel your thoughts will clean up then. It was all work. It was all result driven. It was all provide. It was all do this. So and, when, once that clouds who you really are, mm-hmm. who is a nice, authentic, great, sweet person yeah. as a little kid, it, that almost becomes what we react from. Yeah. So basically, if somebody at Starbucks is slow in line, yeah. you're like, move it, fatso. Yeah. But I got to get home. Li- but that little kid inside. Yeah. Ooh, that's the the conditioning that comes out. The kid inside would go, "Oh, it's okay." Like, "Oh, yeah. I'll wait," or "I'm or I'm thirsty too," yeah. or whatever. So it's yeah. funny to we have to get back to that kid get back to without kid. getting stepped on. Yeah. That's and the to whole stay balance. In the present moment. The conditioning for me was what I have to do to provide for my family. I got to get home. Yeah. I got to pick up this package. I got to pay these bills. I gotta, and it's just it, it, the mind just goes. So right. now you're in that emotional state of a situation that doesn't exist. I know. There's some lady just in front of you is going, "Do I want the vanilla or not?" Let's pick it up. <laughs> All right. Well, it's almost I, the first of the month, and I got bills. <laughs> well, see, this is your problem. You got married, and mm. now you have people to take care of. Not Lisa Lampanelli. Mm. Lisa's a free as a bird, right. waiting for Adam Ferrara to get the divorce. <laughs> no, but I, the, I, and, but but you said has it manifest? My wife is the best thing that happened to me because wow. I can't see beauty. I figured this out. I can see beauty through her. Oh, when that wow! Smi- when that smile comes on her face, when those eyes light up. I'm like, oh, it's like God saying, putz, how high I got to burn this bush. Is that is that usually when you're leaving the room that she gets that happy? When I'm leaving the room? Yeah. Yeah. He's going on the road. Thank God. <laughs> Where's my black and boyfriend? Take this, take this baggage with you. No. No, but She's I love that. the you supportive thing. Did you find it hard? Because mm. comics, we have to have that outer shell because of hecklers and all yeah. that other stuff of uh, invulnerability. So – did you find it hard to be really vulnerable with somebody in a relationship? Because I found it impossible. I did in the fact of sharing. And my father had this. And my mother even said my father this when he was dying. Your father's afraid to tell me what scares him because he's afraid I'll use it against him. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's what big. You, when you grew up in that environment. I grew up – there was a lot of gangsters. In my, I grew up in a Scorsese movie wow. pretty much. Lucky. Culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was, it was like a crime feeling without the money, power, influence. Oh, good. It was just – it was, just, it was the <laughs> Paranoia. It was the scariness. It was. You know what it was? Remember the helicopter scene with Ray Liotta? Oh, God, He's all coked up, it's running so around. So insane. That's what it is. They're, they're coming to take the house. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going. By the on. way, not to distract from this sure. story, but I will say about that scene. Mm. How many times do you ask yourself when you're watching that? Why does he have to make those meatballs and sauce from yeah. scratch? Couldn't they have just said, you know what? No freaking dinner. See, that's codependency. Order in. You had 
to freaking take care of that dopey kid coming yeah. out of the freaking hospital or oh, whatever. Oh, that was a bunch of guilt. He's rolling around on a wheelchair Thank full of you. guilt. Thank you. He said it in the, in the opening monologue. His father was pissed off from this, from this, and this. And yep. you take on you take on the burdens. Any male child will take on the burdens of the father. That's, that's right. The, that's the only way you know how to be like a man. My thing was I had to look for stuff in life to be aggravated about so I could play the role my father played in my house. And you wouldn't have found most of those things no. had your father not said you should be – or indicated you should be oh, upset no, about that. Oh, no. It was – never. he never – he, he it was unspoken communication. Yeah. I I got fortunate, and I'm I'm so freaking fortunate because <laughs> there's love and support I got. I my father I wanted to be mechanical. My father's very mechanical. That's why I like cars. Mm-hmm. I can't fix them. Right. You know I can't. The carburetor's gone. Right. I mean, you just pick up the hood. There should be a sign. Call the guy. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all computers now. So I couldn't do that. So I couldn't be like him in that aspect. He came to see me do stand up the first night. Went back to the shop the next day. He's in a workshop. He turns around, looked at me, looked at me like I never saw a look in his eyes. His eyes lit up. And I said, I think I want to be a comic. He took a long drag off his lucky. And he went, do it now. <gasps> do it now before your life gets complicated. But if you're going to do this, you give it everything you've got. The worst feeling in the world is one day you can look in the mirror. There's going to be an old man looking back at you. And you don't want to think if I only tried that much harder. Oh, my God. That's such goosebumps. He tapped into his regret. He wasn't regret the choices he made, but it was a different time. Yeah. He was, he was, he wanted to be an inventor. He was very mechanical, but he got married to my mother, fell in love, 18. And and that, in that time, time period, that, 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 that place in history, you you had a wedding ring and you had an engagement ring. That's right. And then you had a school ring. It was high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you went into the army, you came out, you started a life. So he was involved in his life before he really knew, one, who he was, do what he wanted, you know. And so I think that regret built up on me. Before he sure. died, he could say, he said, you changed my life. When oh. I was I was the first born, he goes, my kids changed my life. Wow. I, I don't want you to have the regrets that I had, not because of you. But because of uh, not not trying, yeah. Because back then, like you said, getting it's permission not, they, to do so. Yeah, they didn't. They weren't allowed to do that. No. You got a job and you supported the family. But yeah. it's interesting because I think a lot of people say it's always the mother we get all the messages from. But mm. I'm telling you, I think that's why a big part of why I had the balls to retire from stand up is because my father retired when he was 60 because he was like he had a health scare that had nothing to do with his passing. Thank God, mm. and he was like. Screw it. And he became a fine artist. So he has a beautiful painter. Great. Well, he, once he got Parkinson's, he's like, I don't want to paint anymore. And mm. I'm like, why not? They look great. And he, this is the greatest sentence. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to do it. Mm. And I said, oh, my God, just because I'm good at stand-up doesn't mean if it makes – doesn't make me happy. I don't have to do it. Like, okay. Why do I have to do it? Question for you. Mm-hmm. Given this gift that you have and you mm-hmm. have, I've seen you rip a room up. Mm-hmm. By not doing it, are you denying – did you did you struggle with, I have this gift that I'm not using it. I'm guilty of No, I'm because not. I transferred it into the coaching of people. Good. I transferred it into storytelling Good. events and plays and stuff. So it's still like where the humor comes out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do – I mean – there's not one coaching client I call during a week that we don't laugh at least once. Good. Because honestly, humor is really healing for them. Yeah. And I always underplayed that gift. I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm just funny. Now it's like, oh, I can still use that old skill. Sure. And I love that. And also meet and greets after one of my storytelling events. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of Q&As. You yeah. can answer in the moment. Mm-hmm. So you're still using the gift, but you're not um, using it for the ill possibly of yourself or others. Like, okay. I'm just so glad I'm not looking at that calendar with dread. Like, when you look at your calendar now, are you mostly super happy? 
I'm I'm terrified that when when it's not full. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, the, the Joan Rivers documentary was great. The most terrifying thing in a comic is the empty calendar. What's funny about that is I look at my calendar and next week there's nothing in it, and mm-hmm. I'm so happy. Yeah, like I don't, I almost don't even want to schedule coaching for them because I want to have that week to go. Right. Oh, look at me! I'm just a lady of leisure, and it's not like I saved a tons of money. I saved a good amount of money, yeah. but I'm like, I live small. Like, yeah, I, just, I'd like to. I got a wife and they're expensive. You, well, your wife's oh, super they're, hot. They're you got to keep her in good style. Did you see? I'm batting Duh. over my head. Dude, you outkicked your coverage, as wow. they say. Now, you're a cute guy, but yeah. let me tell you something. Oh, no, I got world class. Yeah. And also, you know what you're very good on, by the way? Mm. Because here, you know how everybody thinks the life of a comic is so exciting after mm. a show? I would always go up after the show with my opening act and to the hotel room, we watched like 80 episodes of King of Queens. Right. That's all we do. <laughs> You're on there a lot. Mm-hmm. You were so good. Thank you. Thank you. Were you the episode where you were the funny guy? Was that you? I was, I was, I did one where I did a couple of them. I did one where I was the rival guy at the, yes. uh, at the, uh, uh, the other delivery service. Yes. Yes. Um, and it was funny because me and Kevin and I were roommates. We started, uh, wow. started comedy together and uh, he's, everything in that scene was stuff that from his life. He's a big Neil Diamond fan. No yeah, way. Yeah. So, you know what? I always had a good vibe from him. He's a yeah. good guy, right? Yeah, he was always nice to me. Yeah, See, that's up. the thing. Some people think these comics, they're so damaged, this and that. I think if we work on ourselves enough, we could almost be human. Right. You know? <laughs> I, I feel the very good chance yeah. that you and I are both yeah. human. What do you I, think? I, I, I like – I'm trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at it this way. I've suffered from my art. Now it's the audience's turn. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can with what I got. Oh, now listen, everybody. Listen to Adam Ferrara. No, actually, don't listen to what? him. I would say mm. you should follow him on the Instagrams. On the Instagrams, on the, and the Facebook. Tuesday night's Facebook, uh, we do this thing called Talk to Me Tuesday. My wife oh. turns on the uh, turns on the cameras, and I got uh, thousands of people show up, and we oh, do no this, it's like a phone call to everybody every week. Oh my, I'm so Tuesday doing that night, with you. my Facebook page at uh, at nine p.m. Eastern, six p.m. Pacific. Beautiful, Adam Ferrara on Instagram at Adam Ferrara. If you can't spell it, you know what? Suck it, people. I can't do all the work for you. And also, he is in a new series on CBS All Access, which I watch religiously. Mm. I own that app. Cool. It's called Why Women Kill. He plays a 60s dad, not unlike his own father. I'm Leo. Now, Adam, are you willing to stick around and help some of my freaking Absolutely. people who write me these letters that they need help? They're sucking me dry. Can you help? I'm here. Thank you. Adam Bro, we're going to be right back with Let Lisa Help. Push the button, Travis. <laughs> You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hi, this is Jillian with Court Junkie, a true crime podcast that covers court cases and criminal trials using audio clips and interviews. I'm excited to announce that I have formed a partnership with the Law and Crime Network and that Court Junkie will now be releasing episodes every week. Some episodes include the case of a man who admitted to dismembering his father's body, but who swears at trial that he didn't kill him. And the case of a woman who is charged with murder after she pushed her husband, causing him to fall out of a high-rise building. Court Junkie is available on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Let Lisa Help, the podcast where we help you be a better you or not. We'll also help you be the most annoying version of yourself that you can be because I'm Lisa Lampanelli and I've annoyed people for 31 years and counting. As you know, 
We're here with my special guest co-host, Adam Ferrara, comedian, actor, who I, BT Dubs, fell in love with once again when he was a <laughs> recurring, freaking, amazing character on Nurse Jackie. You played the super codependent, enabling boyfriend. Yeah. You want to know... After seeing that, mm. I said, I am so attracted to this Adam Ferrara <laughs> that I know that I'm not ready to date yet. Oh, yeah. What that means is I'm still attracted to codependent men right. who take care of the freaking addict right. because that's who I am. I'm the food addict. I'm okay. the workaholic. So basically, I got to not date you. I'm sorry, Adam. All right. Well, actually, the character. What was his name? Uh, his, Frank. His name was Frank. Yeah. I I was obsessed with Frank. Right. I, you were terrific. Thank I was very you. proud of you. I had so much fun doing it. Let me ask you this: that yes. character, he, you, you, your needs were getting met through codependency. Mm -hmm. That guy had a, his needs had to be met to be the hero. He had to put on his of cape course. and save everybody. Well, a cop. Yeah, you know, like David Tell used to say, they're a cop. During the day and at night, a drunk with a gun. Yeah. Which, you know, and those cops and those firemen, do you think universally kind of those kind of men really do like to save people? And yeah, maybe it can absolutely. lead over in a negative way into the lives of their loved ones? If it's, uh, 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 yeah, the, the pressure of the job. I played cops. I played firemen. I played a lot of uh, – uh, I played uh, uh, gangsters with a heart of gold. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of that stuff is there needs to be met. And if it's not – like you said, like stand-up, if it's not bringing them happy, they feel like they're trapped by it. Yeah. Then it turns. Yeah. And I think that's just the way in life. It's like it's like, it's like Chaz Palminteri. Now you just can't leave. Yeah. You know, that's when, yeah. That's yeah. When, when you do something. Everything starts uh, – the, the evolution of any kind of thing I was reading, everything starts as a calling. Yeah. Then it becomes a business mm. and it ends up a racket. Oh, that's great. And if it ends up a racket. You got to get out. Well, I love that. But you know what also I love? I was talking to a friend of mine about this. I love this thing where people go, mine isn't just a job. Yeah. It's not a career. Mm -hmm. It's a calling. So then it becomes an ego thing of like, I have to help the world or yeah. I have to make people laugh. Yeah. Even to my own detriment. I have to find out who I am through this. Right. And you can't. Guess who you are. You were who you were born to be. Mm -hmm. And to figure out how to be that as unfiltered and authentically as you can. Yeah. So since we're two authentic mother effers, mm -hmm. I think we should help some people who are truly sad. <laughs> and half of these people, I don't even think they're real, but they email me anyway. So okay. we're going to go with it. Actually, Are they this from one, Nigeria about a gold mine? We actually did one the other day from Louisville, England. Part of me thinks that's a lie. But this one from Ocala, Florida, I feel is actually true. Now, she says, I just want to say that I'm so proud of you for what you're doing. Okay, I like when people kiss my ass. <laughs> we need more people like you. Look, ego being fed. Right. My question is, I'm 50 divorced and scared to death. How do you start over at 50? So scary. I married early, raised a family and didn't plan a career now as I'm old. Now I'm old and I don't have a skill. Hmm. I wish I could go back and tell my younger self just how much this could cause problems that you get older. Now, Adam, let me tell you about people over 50. Yeah. Are you over 50 yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Are yeah. we, how old are you? I'm 53, but I read at a fourth grade level. You and also you read way younger on camera. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You're a 48 yeah, I, at I, the most. I get, I, I get that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the problem. A lot of the women I coach are over 50. Mm -hmm. They gravitate towards me because I made this big life change at yes. 57 and I'm very brave, as you know. I do. So if someone just got a divorce, like I did too, you know, I got divorced, I lost my father, I quit mm -hmm. comedy. There's a lot of big changes. How do you start over at 50? My feeling is, Adam Farrar, tell me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. Because you live a life. I do. 
You don't have to start over. No. You just have to move forward. Yeah. The problem is people take on all these problems at the same time. They go, I'm going to change my weight, my job, my career. No one could change everything at once except Superwoman Lisa Lampanelli. Stop trying to be me. I'm an exception. Mm-hmm. What you do is you take one area and you work on it. I, in the old days, I would say a sea hair at a time. I right. can't say that on podcast one because we need sponsors. You can if you spell it with a Q. That's true. Yes. <laughs> like in, Chaucer. Like in Queef. Yes. <laughs> but honestly- Travis, cut it out. Don't you think a lot of people, what they do is they look at their life, oh, I'm in a shambles, then they won't fix anything. Yeah. So here's what I have to say to this woman. Stop it. Mm. You are old. You do have skills. I think everybody has a skill. You could pour a cup of coffee for somebody. Sure. You could go over and teach uh, the old people how to paint paintings. Mm-hmm. Stop with the self-pity. Okay. That's a good place to start. I think also, what do you think this broad should start with first? Should she start with the, the, the oh, I got the divorce or I don't have a career? Which one would you advise what people to go start? with? Yes, because I, I, I would like start you. her to reframe the question. Ooh. How am I going to start again? What you said is very valid. You're not. You're going to move forward. What if you could go back? Ask ask yourself this question, lady over 50. What if you could go back knowing what you know now? Mm. Would you do it? Because that's what's in front of you. You don't have a skill. You have the wisdom of 50 years of raising a family and been through. You've already made your mistakes. Right. So now you have all this wisdom. Frame the question like this. If I could go back and do it again, what would I do different? Right. Now go do it. Yeah, because I don't think am – I, am I wrong about this? I don't think over 50 is a horrible place to be because I no. say to myself, okay, 57. So I got 30 more years. I'll probably start something else at like 87. Yeah. I just think it keeps going. Like well, it's, it, it, it's the thing. You're, you're not giving – you're not – what am I going to do? I don't know. You're surrendering to who you think you are to what is. You're mm. 50. That ain't changing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what can I make out of this? Oh, well, that's not who I am. Well, you were a mother. Now the kids are grown. You're not a. Mo- you're still a mother, but you're not. You're not every day. That's right. not your identity. You were married, and now you're divorced. Or no, you're no longer married. Surrender the idea of who you thought you were to find out who you really, who you thought you were, you were going to be to who you really are. And oftentimes it devo- it involves where they don't want to go, which is grief. Yeah, you have got to mourn the things that you didn't get. And you've you've got to be face sad it. over it. The thing is, people try to eat their way out, drink their way out. Be sad. People think, you know what's the saddest thing to me? They think if you start crying, you'll never stop. And you will stop. A few weeks ago, something came up about my dad that I just thought of. And I go, oh, great. Now I'm going to spend the whole effing day crying. Guess what? After like five minutes, it was done. And I go, oh, I let it out instead of grabbing food or yelling at someone or whatever. The idea of what you think is always worse than what it is. So much worse. Because the monster inside of you knows what you're afraid of. Right, right. And And that's what it pulls out. Ultimately, she might be afraid she'll never get a job. I doubt that that's true. Mm. I often say to coaching clients, is that really true? You'll do 50 applications and you know absolutely you will never get a job. Well, no, not absolutely. Okay, then act like you're going to. Yeah. And it's not positive thinking. It's going, chances are you probably will. You're playing the game. Every time time you go, go go to a list of your IMDb. Mm -hmm. See that long list of stuff you did? Mm -hmm. The list of jobs you didn't get is a lot longer. Oh, yeah. That's so for you sure. just keep just keep swinging, baby. And that's how you know when you want to stay in. Like I remember knowing I never really must have wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. because I never wanted to do the hundred auditions you need to get the one part. I didn't want to do it either. The problem is mm-hmm. every time I said the hell with this, mm-hmm. I got a gig. See, you have good evidence to prove then that it does work out if yeah. you stay in the game. Well, also look at what's in your control. Like I'm, I'm starting a podcast. Great. I'm starting one now. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose to do that 
was because that's in my control. Yeah. That's going to have a life. Mm-hmm. I can start from an idea. I can build it and I can release it and I can, I can watch the bird fly. I don't know how long it's going to fly. Yep. I don't know if it's going to get eaten by a bigger bird. I don't know if someone's going to shoot it off a wire. Right. But at least I'm going to see it take off. Do something that's in your control where you can see a result. It's true because – and guess what? It might not even be the result that you think you deserve. No. P.S. Me being result-oriented had a go. Sure. I go, whoever's supposed to listen to this podcast will listen. Uh-huh. And if Podcast One says you only have 40,000 downloads, you're fired, uh-huh. then that was what was supposed to sure. happen. And you go, if those 40,000 people are the ones who are supposed to be listening, then they'll stick with you through the next thing. So uh-huh. I think us superimposing what I'm supposed to get never works. Right. You know- my nephew's wife, mm. when they right before they got married, she had nothing. She said to herself, I don't like this PA job. I got a master's from BU. But being a PA on a TV show is thankless, and they're always sexually harassing. They're disgusting. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm going to use my last $40. I'm buying a couple of microphones, and we're going to sit around, and we're going to talk with my friend about paranormal activities and crime. Okay. Get this, 25 years old. So she says, we figured it'd be just us and our friends listening. Two years later, 45 million downloads. They just won best podcast by listenership of the the, 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 the Webby Award. Mm. And you know what I said to her? It's called, and that's why we drink. Let me tell you something, madam. This is how you do things in life. Right. She didn't know she was starting some big money-making thing. They never dreamed that they'd even have more than 40 listeners. That's what the universe made happen because they did it out of joy. So that's what we have to Intention, do. Intention, yeah. Question for you, Eva. Were those downloads from criminals in another dimension? <laughs> okay. I got to clarify one thing I said yeah, when no, I said no. do something with that has a result. Result is different than outcome. Oh, no, of course. I think yeah. what you said was fantastic. Yeah, but what I said result, and I, it's it just we, we have to disconnect from outcome. But result is different from outcome. Result mm. is a collection of data based on something you ah. put out there. The outcome is the idea of what you think you deserve. Oh my God. How annoying are people who go, but why does they, why do they get that? I deserve that. Oh it's God. Like, oh I, my, I, I, my, my wife and I now, when the TV's on, I still play the game called he's working. Oh my God. <laughs> I, that, yeah. Oh my God. Well, the, what's so funny is when I saw you on this nurse, Jackie, mm-hmm. I said, he's working. Yeah, he's working. <laughs> no, I said, you know what's weird? Mm. I used to have a real envy problem. Yeah. I used to work on that so much and now it com- becomes more natural to just have it part of me not doing it anymore because I think it was an aha moment. Mm. I see Chelsea Handler years ago on this Oprah. Mm-hmm. She tells a story how her brother died when she was little and all this stuff. And I had always envied her. I always thought, why did she get that? Why did she get the big talk show? Oh, she must have. Yeah. Guess what? Mm. I'd rather have my career and my brother's alive sure. and my parents didn't disconnect the way hers did. I yeah. said, thank God. And I think that stopped me in my tracks from uh, envy. Yeah. But that's a real thing a lot of people struggle it's, with, not just comics. We always think it's just comics and actors. No, it's people. Accountants. Everybody does that. The human condition is such that you have to overcome the ego. And the mm. ego wants the comparison because it, it, it gives you a measuring stick and gives you who you are. And by the way, this energy, mm. even a negative energy, is still energy. Yeah. And it feeds part of your ego and it calms you down. So that's why misery loves company. Right. Of course. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me. Right. You know, right. Sure. Right. I liked your gay impression, by the Thank way. Thank you. That, Actually, that was, that was fun. 
supposed to be Olympia Blanche Devereaux. Okay, that was. I was funny. going for Olympias Dukakis. <laughs> Olympias. Olympias. She's you know Greek, you know. Well, since we're not uh, since we're not ego driven, let's do. Oh, I'm nothing. trying to fight. Let's. <laughs> you see it behind me? Get out of here! I'm trying to be sure. Oh my God! That looks a lot like Travis. Oh, okay. So here we go. Here's another. Oh, I think this person's real. This oh. is another one of my. <clears throat> no, Travis, don't cut that out because I want people to see that I get caught in my throat also. <clears throat> I do Olympia Stukakis. You're doing Harvest, I, I, harvest <laughs> Fire Stenus. <laughs> you funny. Okay, this is from my friend in, not my friend, but a fan in Brookfield, Illinois. If that's a real place, I'll eat my shirt. Okay. Hey, Lisa, I heard you on Andy Cohen, speaking of the gays and Olympia Stukakis, mm-hmm. and I'm inspired by the shift your life has taken. I love how every letter starts with a compliment for me, which feeds the ego. I'm a therapist. Oh, a therapist. Good. Wife and mom of two young kids. I've struggled with my self-image and inner voice for a while. Okay. I'm seeing a therapist, but I'm not sure it's what I need. I know coping skills. I need accountability and someone who's been through it too. Here's the thing. I'm not an accountability coach, which okay. is one of those people who keeps your food list, who says, why didn't you send me this? Why did, did you talk to your friend who you promised? Mm-hmm. It's your journey. I get to make suggestions. You get to follow it if you want or not. But I feel she's right. A little bit of accountability never hurts. Meaning not yelling at you to keep your word, but saying, why do you think you didn't? Mm-hmm. Like it indicates a lot to me if I give a client homework Right. And they don't do it. Mm-hmm. They go, hmm, I've just received data that there's something stuck in them that won't allow them to move forward. Mm-hmm. So do you think accountability is important, even in the profession of show business, where everybody's just going to tell you you're great, 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 sure. great? How do you keep accountable? How do I keep accountable? I keep keep accountable by by trying to monitor. And it's a feeling thing. It's not a thought. It's a feeling thing. Like, mm, why didn't I do that? Yeah. And I, and I, I force myself, and I do it a lot in the car. Mm-hmm. When I get home, I turn the car off. I'm not getting out of this car to like, identify why I feel this. Wow. Because I don't want to bring that home to my wife. Holy crap. Because I did that once. And it made her cry. And that pissed me off. Because if anybody treats my wife like that, including me, I'm going to kick his ass. Oh, my God. So that's what I did in the car. So I will not get out of that car until I solve that feeling. Because I don't want to bring it into the sanctity of the home that this beautiful woman has built for me. See, you know what I love about that? First of all, I hope all you men listening feel like crap about yourself. Because you've just heard a real man talk. And that man is me. (laughs) Now, no, I think that's fantastic. I love you, fella. Because you know what, dude? I think a lot of people... Include you know a lot of us women. I would go into that house when I was married sure. to Jimmy Big Balls, and I'd be like, "Turn off the TV! Don't you want to hear about my issue mm-hmm. today? Because I'm so important." So the time you did see your wife cry over this, was it sort of you just venting, or was it no? It wasn't directed at her, it right? Was but the it was fact just... that I came home and I brought this crap in mm. here, and I shut down, and I wouldn't even talk to her about oh. it, and I would blame for some reason that there's a, an unspoken communication of blame because she's there. Right. She did nothing, this kid. Right. But because I brought this crap in, I'm like, oh, hey. And I heard my father's voice in my head. That kind of man are you? So you're very accountable to yourself in that you've become that evolved person who can actually sit in a car and go, I'm not going to run in there with this cloud it's, over my head. Well, I try to, yeah. But I, I make the effort to do so. So actually her showing genuine vulnerable emotion made you accountable. Oh, yeah. Because you were like, ooh. 
Yeah. This is something I don't I want in my life. I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with everyone had their shields up and it, it was ever – and, you know, you don't talk about your feelings in my family. I'm not right. happy. Yeah, eat. It just eat. Exactly. You shove it down. Right, and right. one day you burp up cheese and resentment. <laughs> That's no way to go through life. But cheese tastes good. Yeah, it's true, but blocks mm. you up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think a fair amount of what, – what we need is sort of that fine line between letting yourself off the hook – and beating yourself up. That and accountability is like right in that. Well, middle. you could call it accountability. I, the, Victor Frankel wrote, "Between stimulus and response is a space. Right in that space is your choice. Mm-hmm. That choice will determine who you are, yeah. or who you want to be. Right. And those choices could be behaviors, relationships you yeah. pick, thoughts that you pick. By the way, I'm sorry, but people and also my lovely uh, person from Brookfield, Illinois, we choose our feelings. It goes like this, circumstance, thought, feeling, mm-hmm. behavior. Yeah. So basically, so-and-so at work says I'm an a-hole. Podcast one fires me for only having three listeners. I have a thought. I'm worthy. My, I'm worthless. My feeling is sad and despair. Then I eat or mm-hmm. I yell at my wife yeah. or I do whatever. So basically, we can change that feeling by changing the thought. Yeah. Podcast one fires me. Don't go to I'm worthless. Go to, well, that what was meant to be or, well, another opportunity will come up. And so people think they can't change their feelings. No, but I have to feel sad. I have to feel worthless. Yeah. This you is, don't. This is, the, this is the response I'm used to seeing and, mm-hmm. and imitating from, from the family of origin I grew up in. Right. The, but the first step in all this crap is realizing that you do have a choice. So right. you're, you're conditioned to respond. You're training yourself to react. You're going to screw up. Of course. You're going to make mistakes. It's like Plato's cave theory. You know, Plato, the people living in a cave, they see shadows on the wall. They think right. that's reality. Right. They leave the cave. They're out in the sunlight. They know there's a different a different reality. First thing they're going to do one times out of ten is run back in the cave because it's scary. Right. You have to stand the anxiety of change and allow your eyes to adjust to the light. Well, and that anxiety is what stops people from changing or yeah. even opening up. I mean, those hard conversations with people and you having those conversations even with yourself sitting in that car can't be that easy every single day going, no. oh, God, talk myself off a ledge before I put it on somebody who's totally innocently just loving me. Yeah, you want to know what goofy stuff I did once? Yes. I got out of the driver's seat and got in the passenger seat oh my God. and yelled at me. Oh, my God. I love you. I love you so much. And I yelled at me. Okay. That is super queer. And I say that with the most love of my heart for queer people. Because what's funny is I remember having a shrink once who'd make me jump from chair to chair and be right. the child and the kid. I just couldn't do it. I was like, I can't. I couldn't do it either. Oh, I got, it's worse. The first thing I, I, I sat in the passage, the first thing I did, I looked at, looked at him, I looked back at me and went, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> But that's good. So, yeah. So, listen, Brookfield, you do need accountability, but you can't beat yourself up. And, yes, I will take you on as a client if you have a lot of money. So, <laughs> thank you Oh, yeah. Don't beat much. yourself up. We don't have another – I got to do a whole other podcast about that. <laughs> that's good. Now, listen, Adam Ferrara, I would like to say this to you. Go, baby. You are fantastic. Uh, you are a great guest co-host. Lisa Lippinelli does not tie herself down. I do, I nor but should if she. I did, it would be you. Thank you, baby. I'm so come glad. Back. I hope you come back. You're such a gentleman. I am so glad the Lampinelli butterfly landed on my flower. Oh, Just for this brief And you know what moment. I do love? That you mentioned Victor Frankel and Plato. And by Plato, I don't mean the stuff you play with. <laughs> I think you are a terrifically smart guy. So thank you. Follow him at Adam Ferrara and watch him on Why Women Kill on CBS All Access. I will, bitches. <laughs> Stay tuned, Lisa. What is it? Stay tuned. What's it called again? Let Lisa help. We'll be right back. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli.
And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli on Let Lisa Help. Uh, This is really exciting. I could not get a lot of stars to come and do my podcast. And today's guest is evidence of that. He is one of my oldest friends in comedy. He secretly is one of my favorite people on the planet. And now I guess it's not a secret. He has a show on Serious Insight 121 called Stand Up with Pete Dominic. Yes, you guessed it. It's Pete Dominic. This episode is called Who Canceled? Yeah, I know, right? Who couldn't you get for this? Pete Corielli was unavailable. Wait, wait, you know what is it called? <laughs> I guess John Fugel saying. John, oh yeah, he's the bane. <laughs> the bane of my existence. Smarter, funnier, and better looking, but not nearly as genuine as I am. No, well, John Fugel saying is interesting yeah. and funny yeah. and smart. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Wasn't going to deny anything you said. Yeah. Right. But your show is actually really good because I don't listen to it. Yet, <laughs> you give me a chance to come on it and not talk politically. What is this show about? Tell our listeners. My show is about issues. It's like NPR with a personality. So it's right. whatever's in you know the public interest, and and so it, we talk about you know the what's in the news that's controversial and divisive. But we also talk about you know just big issues from obviously like climate change to relationship issues, which right. we don't do a lot of, but we talk about a lot. It's become like a self help yeah, thing, yeah, in, in a way because we work out a lot of our own personal issues. We talk about our problems and solutions to both big policy, you know, worldwide problems and personal, uh, family, and, and, and psychological addiction, all of it. See, know? I like that. And I know that. That's why you are good when you're on it, because you can talk about those things, and that's really what you're doing now. Right. Well, I like that you shoehorn me into the show, and I never I feel really like... To. That's what I was going to say. You don't ever make me feel like, oh, she doesn't know world events. No, I shoehorned Billy Baldwin on the show. You <laughs> Although, are a perfect you per- weren't you his personal trainer? <laughs> uh, well, for a short amount of time. I mainly did his stretching regime. Uh, you know who else, if we're dropping names? Uh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld wife, Jessica. Oh, and she's I don't hot. Lie, when they first started dating. Um, oh, and some other big That's names. how you get it, Jerry Seinfeld. You, this is what happens. You start training with a Pete Dominic. Mm-hmm. If, uh, it's too bad or you're not doing it Or just be 14. Yeah. <laughs> I kid, my friend. Jerry, we're very close. If you walked by me in the street, you'd be like, huh? Never seen him. I know. Isn't that funny? Now, Pete and I first met because we were doing comedy, and I did what I do with all people I feel are less than me. I decided to help him. And I said, hey, Pete, you're a funny guy with some potential. Come and open for me on the road. And we did this. Did we have good experiences? Tell the audience. We had, they are seminal experiences. When I think about uh, gigs, road gigs and doing comedy and and earning my stripes in comedy, I think a lot about those gigs that I did with you because some of them were the worst gigs. Granted, you were the headliner. I was the opening act. But, you know, they were within driving distance of New York type of gigs. And and I'll never forget the the hunting bar. It was a bar. for hunters no stage no lighting and i opened and it was as if you it was almost as if you pushed a deer out for these guys and i'll never forget because specifically i was doing stand-up comedy and the audience was a guy standing two feet from my face he was just standing there the only thing between us was a microphone there was nothing there that said comedy the tvs were on sports center was on right Right. And then you did your thing. I, I couldn't get their attention. You crushed. But then I do recall you going, we've got to get out of here 
now. Right. Right. <laughs> and we, They're I scary. think, escaped. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was just one of many gigs that we did. And you were a, a great mentor and very generous with the money and uh, and and with the advice. And and you were have always been a good friend to me. And I will always be in your debt for giving Aww. me those gigs. And well, Pete, I tend to over advice give. And I sort of try to hold that back now because I don't want people to say, oh, this Yenta, all she does is tell me what to do. So I'm trying to – in other words, you have to accept people where they are. You can't – if they ask for help, great. If they don't, fine. Did you ever find me overly advice-giving? No. No, I found – Oh, I would apologize. No, I think that the problems I presented you with, as you recall, were specifically about a relationship, mm-hmm. about my now wife, right. when we first started dating. So my re- recollection, if anything, was that you gave good advice and that you would get annoyed, if anything, with me harping on the same thing. I kind of love Like, I don't think you gave me over advice. I think you're like, enough with your complaining, if anything. Yeah, just do something. Yeah. And, and that we laugh about, I remember that gig, because didn't we drive through a Burger King or a McDonald's. We got a. Um, I remember. I recall you ordering a Choco Taco. So whatever <laughs> got sold me that. A Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, yes. My look. You side eyed me and said, "I don't want to hear anything from you, Mr. Personal <laughs> Trainer." I was like, "I don't uh, listen. You think I'm going to give the the bite the hand that's feeding me while it's feeding itself? Not me. Now, so what had happened back then? This. How many years are you married, by the way? We've been together for 18 years, married for, I don't know, nine, 2009, we got married. 2009 you did? Our kids were four and two, and they walked up the aisle. That's so nice. Is that serious? Yeah, my parents' backyard. My gay uncle married us. Oh, my God. Right before the- Everything about that is so unchristian. I love it. Yeah, well, couldn't be less of a Christian uh, anymore, but my uh, my uncle, who it was 2009, and my gay uncle comes in from California, and right before the wedding starts, he he sits me down, and he goes, you know, it is- Ironic that I can marry you legally, but I can't get married legally wow. in this state. And I was like, uh, Uncle Buzzkill, um, if you yeah. don't want to do this. Yeah, uh, thanks why for you shitting th- in the yeah. punch bowl. But yeah, so we got married nine years ago and we've been together for 18 years. Wow. Now here, Valerie. Va- yeah, that's right. Thank I remember her you. name um, because you would always bitch and moan about, yeah. th- not her, you would bitch and moan about the situation. What do yeah. I do with this and that yeah. and that? Back then, what was the problem? I can't remember. Wasn't she just too hot for you? And that was the problem? That's still that's the, definitely the problem. Still now. the problem. Yeah. It's still when I when she looks at me, I feel like she's going, Oh, I could have done better, especially as I age. Yeah. Um I think Do you have the make a wish kid? <laughs> yeah, always have. Uh, Nick DePaulo's joke when I was, when we both opened for Artie Lang, <laughs> it would be me, then Nick, then Artie. And after I went out, I introduced Nick and Nick said, Give it up for Pete Dominic. He's a make a wish kid and his wish was to open for Artie Lang. <laughs> so congratulations. Oh I'm a God. bald white American. You don't know my struggle. <laughs> yeah, and it's mainly he's had it really hard. With and the male, sun. a male. Yeah, that's really tough. Very difficult. So back then, what were you going on and on about the world? with her? And yeah, I, I think it was specifically that her ex was still in the picture, oh. and that there were other men. And I don't recall exactly I, what it was, but I think it was just I wanted, and then also I definitely wanted to convince her to move to New York from Chicago. That's right. And uh, I don't know. I, How I was, did that ever occur? Like, what ended up happening? She got into grad school mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, and so moved to New York for grad school, but moved in with me, quote temporarily, but nice. ne- hasn't left me yet. So you like just clung on till she couldn't let go anymore. Yeah. No, I, she, my wife is um, not a codependent person. Right. My wife raised herself she, like in the wow. in the wild. Her parents were pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that in this marriage, 
when things go bad and they often have, and it looks like we could potentially break up, get separated, that she's not that affected by it. Like I'm devastated by the idea of being without her because I'm very codependent and, and I, I need to talk to her all day. She's my, my best friend and my, my sidekick and my partner, blah, blah, blah. But if I think she'd be like, good luck. Yeah, I'm so fine. I don't, like, she doesn't need me for anything other than fi- financially. Does that scare you? Yeah. Because yeah. she, I mean, it's clearly the most healthy way to be. Not yet to it, be not codependent. Yeah. yeah. To not have to depend on this person for all of your everything, happiness and right. confidence and money and everything. Right. Well, now, has she demonstrated this with your children, meaning does she allow them to be independent? Does she let them learn their own lessons? Because as a parent, if I was had kids, I would never let them out of the house. I'd be so scared to yeah, let we them bo- happen. We, we both are pretty good. We're very, very anti-helicopter. We push them out into – right now my daughter is 14. And some people listening might think this is weird, but she's 14 and she's in Brooklyn for the week at a filmmaking camp. But some people might not want to leave their kid in New York City uh, for the week. But, I mean, I think it's awesome. She's having a great experience making new friends – a lot of diversity, being in the city where as she's grown up in the suburbs. And uh, so, no, we, we both are definitely but uh, not overbearing. We we push them into having as many experiences as they can. And we don't we definitely don't. I don't think we're too concerned about them. Did you have more of a struggle letting go like that than your wife did? Because she no. sounds like she. So you just were like, hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. I had a hard time letting go. But your question was, did I have a harder time than my wife? And oh. no, I had a, I, I had a harder time than my wife is the answer because my wife hasn't had too hard of a time growing up. My wife very much sees her role as their parent mm. and role model and caretaker, um, which is, I think, the way it should be. And I see myself similarly, but also as a friend. She doesn't oh. see them herself as a friend as much. Right. right. So as the relationship changes, um, she doesn't feel like I feel like she doesn't feel like she's lost as much, although she is in an argument with my 14 year old about what they should what she should call her my daughter like any other kid doesn't want to call her mommy anymore she wants yeah. to call her mom and wait my wife's whoa, like no I didn't you're think calling that was me a mommy struggle. i thought you were gonna say she wants to call her by her first name she wants to call her valerie yeah. lieutenant valerie <laughs> she would be fine with that you're uh, my wife would be fine with that because yeah. that's what i have to call her yeah <laughs> but that's different i don't think my daughter should have to call her that <laughs> no, i'm like bad. yes <laughs> attention but no she so my wife doesn't but it's been a i'm telling you you're wrong you don't get to decide that you know, she's growing up. She doesn't want to call you mommy in front of all her friends, much as a home. It's, it's, it's kind of a childlike thing, and we should encourage that. So that's one tiny little thing that my wife oh, that's is wrong about. But, yeah. that, it's so interesting because we all have our little things. And, you know, even though your wife is physically and emotionally perfect and way better than you, this is her one little area. Yeah. Do you insist the girl calls you daddy? Because that's creepy. I insist that she calls me Mr. Epstein, which is super <laughs> creepy. Yeah. My daughters call me Epstein Sandusky. Yeah. They, it's, I know. But I think it's hilarious. It's better than Epstein Bar. I'm an edgy comic. <laughs> yeah. It's better than Epstein Bar. But what's that Michigan State doctor? The Olympic guy? Uh, oh, Nassar. Uh, Nasser. 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 Yeah. My daughters call me Clinton Trump. <laughs> Nasser Epstein, Hosby, Bart. Weinstein, Bar, but that's Which what we guys? do. That's what, Sushi knows not to uh, go out with any of those guys. I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. As opposed to wait, so she's 14. Yeah. Then what, how old's the other one? The other one's 11. And boy or girl, we don't talk about her. She's not the pride of the family. We don't. We're not proud of right. the younger one. She's right. 11, and I thought There's at nothing this to be point, proud of. 
I thought at this point, I expected more from her. Yes. She quit. She quit the clarinet after a year. Thank God. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's just not, I can't keep this bit going. Yeah. 14 and <laughs> Nobody 11. Nobody said true. Are. Did she really? She did quit the clarinet. I'm proud of her. because it's pride and joy. Julia is me. Like my younger one is, they're both, you know, part me, part my wife and part themselves. Right. But, but raising. say, do you hang out with her more? Like no, Ava and I probably hang out even more than Julia and I to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that'll change as Julia gets older. But we have a lot of common interests. Ava and I. Ava and I are are into the Marvel Cinema Universe. Mm-hmm. And Ava came on my radio show and interviewed the co-directors, the Russo brothers. Shut up. Which was an amazing. Yeah. And so that was like <gasps> the best experience as a parent that I've had, or just as you know. Yeah, my daughter's father is in for her. It was awesome. Oh my god! But I think I raising that. girls is this. It's it's the it's the joy of my life. I'm, I want to write a book about it. This whole you thing. Should. What do you think when when um, people say, you know, I have a daughter, and so I think mm-hmm. because the argument from feminists is often you shouldn't have to have a daughter to be a good guy to know not, not what to do. Yeah. I, that resonates with me. Of mm-hmm. course, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, and you know me mm-hmm. pretty well, like I've mm-hmm. never been accused of doing anything. I'm the guy. No. Women thought I was gay. Yeah. And super I did, safe. Until he grabbed me by the pussy. See. But that was like super fun. No, that wasn't me. That was Dan Natterman. Oh. <laughs> Please yeah. name someone that people have heard of. <laughs> Excuse me. You should look him up. Uh, Judah Friedlander. <laughs> so, no, I, I uh, and, and so I think, though, but even though that's true, you should be a good guy whether or not you have a daughter. I, I'm sorry. The fact that I do have a daughter makes me see everything through both of their eyes. Right. And so I think you can be more empathic when you are looking at, by the way, it's not only gender. I don't. Do I care about kids with cystic fibrosis? Yeah. Oh, no, but I don't yes, know. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, do you? No, but you should. But I do. <laughs> no, I. Is, is that one disease that is, you've never cared about, Lisa? You know, you I care about all the rest. Against CF. <laughs> I heard you actually. That's down a really. A gig <laughs> for the cystic fibrosis. They foundation. asked, and I said, "Don't hold your breath." <laughs> I'm joking, of course. See, here's the problem, so, Dominic. Yeah. I get sucked back into comedy when I am with a comedian. Sure. Because here's what happens. I retire from insult comedy last year. Everything takes off. I'm a fantastic life coach. I'm a terrific gal. I'm doing it all and having the podcast to help people. You come in and I start cracking the whys. I think that there's a psychological component to people, siblings or close friends, or in our case, people who you know work close friends who work together a lot, that when you have a chemistry and right. a humorous especially, right. you don't stop that if neither one of you wants. You've made a conscious right. decision to make career choices. But when you're with old friends that you know well, that know you well, that know that you're fine, you've been slamming me since I walked in the door. That and it's fun. because you know it makes me laugh and because yeah. you know that it makes me feel valued because you would never say something like that to someone who didn't know you. You say right. that to me because you know me and you respect me and you like me and you know I know that and now people listening know that but that's the secret between some comics, most mm-hmm. comics, but certainly between you and I it's, and it's always been the case. You've come on my radio show for years. It's always been that and I, you know I love it. Well, I think you know the intention behind it. You know, there's real heart there and truth in how I feel about you is like, you know, the truth is unspoken. Yeah, it's, and the it's, truth is respect and yeah, admiration. And right. I know that. But the, but, but the way that it's expressed to, to people who aren't in the, in the comedy world, it sounds crazy. Like you're saying right. mean things to this person and, and, and I'm supposed to 
it, that that's admiration. Yeah, right. it is because right. it's, it's a fraternity, or in our case, a sorority. sorority. <laughs> now, but you've always been very good at making fun of yourself as far as your feminine traits and all that, and the people used to think you were gay and stuff. I never thought you were gay. I just thought there's no penis. What do you feel? Well, there's there, there's there's a penis, but it doesn't really have like an outdoor of... life. <sighs> I guess it doesn't have a lot of appeal. Yeah, I would like, doubt. No, and people, none of people, them do. people, none of them. Uh, what do you say about balls? <clears throat> so no, I just think that I was a guy who women wanted to be friends with. Well, I was I really fun is... to be friends with, but didn't really necessarily want to have sex with them. Part right. of that was because I wasn't that aggressive. Like I had, a, I've had a lot of women sleep in my bed mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And even if I tried a little bit and they pushed back a little bit, I was like, oh, you're right. just, you just need a place to stay. So well, isn't it great to know, though, that you're the guy they can feel safe with? Because that's very rare. I'm really bad at feeling safe with straight guys. Like I don't. So and I've never had anything untoward happen to me. It's just a thing. Hmm. And I started taking, I think I told you, ballroom dance. And I have a straight dance teacher. And my shrink said, that's the best thing for you because you have to learn to look a guy in the eye and not be scared. I mean, you're dancing with the teacher? Yeah. It's yeah. a ballroom dance. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, this is good for me. But it, it has to be the right kind of guy. And they have to make you feel like, okay, you're just safe in this world. Well, don't worry about it. You know, and you I, have that quality. I don't want to, but yes and no, I don't want to sound like overly noble because the thing is, it's true. I do, I feel great that I, I don't think I've ever made a woman uh, feel uncomfortable. I think there's one instance that I regret and it's through this learning process of the Me Too movement. It's not egregious in any way, but it certainly was in a situation where I was hitting on mm-hmm. someone who was who I had power over. So it was my agent's assistant. Oh. And that's that's probably an inappropriate power dynamic. I mean, I don't think I think I'm being very kind of you know, scrupulous and and, and looking yeah, at my that... past, but still, like that was probably inappropriate for me to do. But other than that, I really can't think of because. But at the same time, it's not like I'm trying to be noble. That's how I was raised. It's 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 my morality. But mm-hmm. I think it, it it sucked when I really was physically attracted to a woman, sexually attracted to a woman, and trying to hook up with her, trying to have sex with her, and they just couldn't. They weren't interested, or, or that you know. But I don't. I never. I don't know. To me, turning on a person mm-hmm. is pleasing them mm-hmm. sexually and as a comedian, as a radio person. And so I want to please a woman. So the idea of doing something that would make her uncomfortable or feel unsafe is the antithesis to what my mission would be was just to make them happy, to make them feel good, to right. and seriously make them orgasm first, if possible. Well, listen, Pete, that'll happen for a woman. Someday when do you think? You. I don't think it's, it's been. I'm 40. Three. Seven more years. You think it's going to take seven more years? I do. I think you should. I stay never. with this one woman that I've been with. I can't, probably I can't she's put in hard, some, spot. She's put in hard time. And also keep trying that radio and comedy stuff. It'll happen someday. <sighs> Someone may be pleased. Someday. <laughs> the great thing about my wife is she can't bullshit. Can't do it. Oh. So she can't fake an orgasm. She That's could great. never. She can't lie. She's just not interested in, in being dishonest in life. Like, would you say... That how many times out of 10 do you knock it out of the park in her opinion? Sexually? Yeah. Oh, it's a long conversation because lately it's like a lot has changed. And only right. recently did we – have we reconnected emotionally much less sexually. Aww. We had like a year of 
of distance to 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 make it to minimize it of a disconnection where we were arguing a lot mainly she was going through a lot well it also sounds like that daughter is a problem she quit the yeah. clarinet and all hell broke well, yeah well also every time i tried to have sex with my wife she'd come in be like i'm here i'm like what do you how and do you play know? the clarinet that's really <laughs> my wife arranged that play, every time i have sex with my wife she'd come in with a clarinet and screech and i'll tell you what to turn off even oh. for me is my daughter in the room every time i'm glad that she's a real cock block yeah uh, yeah sometimes but, she'll but, film but the yeah, older you, one. so you're going through this 10 years of like oh gosh you know there's stress and strain and stuff what helps you come out of this because here's the thing I have never had a successful relationship mm. slash marriage. And I think it's I, – I, first of all, my picker is way off. I always pick the wrong guy. I always pick someone I have to save. Then I don't feel protected. Then I don't feel worthy, et cetera, loved. You're still trying? No, I haven't tried in seven years. I think – What do you mean by I haven't tried in seven years? I, I, I don't even bother dating. I can't even – I'm not interested. Well, I not, think I'm getting you know where I go, hey, if the universe is meant for me to meet somebody great, I will. Like I don't push well, it. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I brought my friend my- – <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Mike Morse, come on in. <laughs> no, you don't. Don't you think? Because so I'm interested in this. How does? Because I always go. How do couples ever stay together through stress? I just don't. I just quit. What did you? What did you really put into practice? Or how did you guys get through that? Well, I think my wife would agree in saying that the reason we've gotten through all of our issues which are kind of boring, mm-hmm. nothing like exciting like infidelity or money right. um, or trust. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lack of respect. There's condescension. There's mm-hmm. a loss of connection. There's a selfishness. There's mm-hmm. things like that. Sure. And judgment, mm-hmm. um, assumptions, reactions. And it's not, you know, it's just not that interesting um, to others maybe to talk about, even though they can relate to it. But I think my wife would probably say for us, the 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 reason why we continue to, to keep working things out is because I don't give up. Like mm-hmm. I said to her in one of our lowest points, I just took her hand and I said, listen, I've never given up on anything that I've ever wanted in my life mm-hmm. that I've wanted for myself. And I've never wanted anything more than you. Aww. And so with that line, she fell to her knees <laughs> in the middle of New York City and performed oral sex. <laughs> You know, she. I think that no, but, she, but, but, it, it was a really serious moment. Yeah. I just ruined, but but it, it was. Um, that's. I don't quit. I just don't give up. I don't. The idea for me of giving up on my marriage doesn't hasn't come. Mm-hmm. That it hasn't gotten that bad to me. I've never been that miserable. Maybe she has, mm-hmm. but I haven't. And yes, I need her. And and I also think that it's super important for my daughters. I think the most important thing I can do to be a good father to these girls is role model the behavior that I would want or more importantly that they would want a partner to uh, share with them. Yeah. So I have to be the guy to my wife that their future partners will be to them. So I have to be thoughtful and respectful and supportive, et cetera. And so it's really hard at the times that we're having differences to do that. But that always keeps coming me back, uh, coming back to the marriage, to the relationship, because for my daughters, it's the best thing for them. I I don't think that that's true for every married person. But in my case, I'm never I've not been near miserable. Mm. I want I want things to change. And I've wanted things to change. A lot of things to change. Some of them have. Some of them haven't. But right. right now we're in a in a place where 
I, neither of us thought we could be. It's wow. really good. Well, you know what really I like? Just because me. I have another woman in my life. And that really, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's Lisa a Lampanelli. third party would really <laughs> invigorate your partner. Well, here's what I like. You said, I've never quit anything. And I was scared that you were going to say just anything. Because, you know, there's those guys and women who will just stick with it no matter what, that even if they don't too. value I'm it glad anymore. glad you brought this up. And then you said that I've really... Loved having in my life, or I really want it. Never any, I've ne- I never quit anything that I've really wanted. Yeah, that's huge to make that distinction because a lot of people just stick with it out of ego, and this wasn't out of ego. It was actually desire to make uh, this great connection come back the way it used to, and make it even better. Exactly. So now, yeah. uh, I should have thing... quit a lot of other things in my life, though. I very I comedy, a... radio, <laughs> being friends with me. <laughs> um, no, which, the, the, the which last one was <laughs> you didn't give me a choice. Um, the the I, I think there's just I had the don't quit poem um, above mm-hmm. my this is how, the kind of douchey teenager I was right. like all inspirational like I had posters I wrote down my goals and I put them on the wall <sighs> and so I didn't there were certain things that I did that I I, I had to finish I dropped out of college after two years and went to acting conservatory program here in New York wow. and I should have quit that I shouldn't have finished that it was bullshit. And I was, how, I don't think I learned How many years was that? It was a two-year program. Oh, that's it was so an, hard. A year and a half. And it was really, <clears throat> but it was intensive and very hard. And, and yeah. you know, it was, uh, the teachers were, um, it wasn't accredited, so I didn't get a degree. I should have probably stayed in college. But anyway, sometimes you should quit things. Even I agree. if you'd, you'd never want to, no, the dreams change too. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I mean, you, you understand this intimately. Yeah. And so yeah. it's okay to stop doing a thing that you were so passionate. And this is really what you've done. And, and and it was so hard for you to succeed at all these things. You created this amazing following and, and ability to perform. And then you just stopped doing it. That is flabbergasting to most comedians and yeah. most successful people. But th- you're, in your life and in your process, you were having all these different experiences. And you went to 17 different, what, health camps. Yeah. <laughs> health camps. Whatever the hell these places retreat, you bought one. Did you buy one? I bought a house on it. And that changed you so much to the point that now you are such a healthy-minded person. That doesn't mean your life is perfect, but that that you can help other people. That's amazing. Dreams change. We evolve, and we should allow our dreams to evolve with them, and including in what we were talking about, marriages, relationships, I think. I I totally agree. And if I can have that stick-to-itiveness for the right things, that's what I need to get. And people. And letting go of the things that just don't work. That's easier for me. But the stick to itiveness of going, ooh, that's worth f- hashing this out and figuring it out, like you did with the marriage. Now, one thing, you remember you said a couple minutes ago you were telling about how great the marriage is, and then you made a joke and you go, I just ruined this moment with yeah. my uh, joke. What do you think? We never do as Billy Joel says, leave a tender moment alone. Like, we cannot do that. Yeah. Do you do that with your wife yeah. and does she get pissed? Or is she just like I freaking? She give usually, up. I think she laughs a lot. I right. only, I, I do it with my wife and my daughters. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, it's not well intimate motor moments with my daughters. Obviously, not sexual, but intimate. And so, like, you know, I'm having this thoughtful conversation or moment with with my daughter, and then I make a joke because sometimes it's getting a little bit uncomfortable or even awkward. Oh, this was serious, right? Um, and and the same thing with with my wife. I do it because it breaks the moment in a good way and it allows us to pivot to the next moment in conversation or it allows us to just put it away. That's done now. That was a beautiful conversation or moment and here's my joke and now we move on to the next. It's like segues in radio, live radio or or on stage and I think 
I don't know. It, I, I hear what you're saying. It can ruin it, but but you sort of had the discernment to know when to do that and when I think not so. to. I think so. You know, so. Pete. Let me say something. I enjoy you. I value you. I'm going to ask you: Will you stick around for another segment and talk more about your big issue you're working on? Plus, help some of my listeners, please. I have to get to an intervention. Listen, there's no way anyone wants you in their life except me. We'll be right back. Yes, we'll be right back with Pete Dominic. Let Lisa help. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey there, Rob Sesternino from Rob as a Podcast. And if you're a Big Brother fan, you know the summer is all about one thing, watching crazy people locked in a house on Big Brother. And we've got episode recaps after every episode with the past house guests talking about all the updates from the game and the gossip from the live feed. Listen to Rob as a Podcast exclusively on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, why don't you share it or even leave us a rating and review. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. We are back. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean, now the queen of meaning, because I'm so effing meaningful with the podcast you never liked in the first place, but now you can't seem to stop listening to out of self-hate. It is Let Lisa Help. My special guest in the studio is the fantastically funny Pete Dominic. He is on Sirius Radio's Insight 121, and his show is called Stand Up with Pete Dominic. Listen to that Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon Eastern, eh, or don't listen. I I mean, I don't care. Do you, Pete? I do. I want all of your podcasts. <laughs> all three of them? Listen to my uh, thoughtful, thought-provoking program. I've heard that because of Howard Stern being on Sirius, there are millions of new listeners. How many of those listeners have dropped off of Sirius after listening to you? I think that I have probably helped create the cancellation of at least half a million subscribers. I'm so proud of you because you. that's a big following yeah. to not have. Yeah, and it's really interesting that they keep me there. It is. It's I, weird. Well, well, it's called blackmail. If you follow him, his <laughs> on Instagram, his name is at not John Fugelsang. That is deeply hurtful. Or is it ugly John Fugelsang? He keeps, he, a mother, he keeps posting pictures of himself, like old headshot, like really good pictures of oh, himself. Oh, he's handsome though. But it's, but that doesn't, I don't find that, if it's very arrogant. He, he's well, like, here's I'm sexy. Thing. Here's a picture of me <laughs> performing. Like I don't throw, I have a few pictures of me performing, but I've, do Pete, I ever look sexy performing? I look like a I don't column. think you look sexy in real life. That's not you a, can't even. Not you, a, you would you have good arms. I think you have terrific arms. We're going to post a picture of Pete's arm one day and you'll say, wow, that doesn't suck as much as the rest of them. How do you feel about that? I Pete? feel like in high school, one of my nicknames was Big Head Little Body. No. <laughs> and if you think. OK, that's the most unclever nickname, by the way. Didn't matter. Girls didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, a kid uh, in high school said that Pete Dominic has a black penis head. Just made up a <laughs> Just, yeah, he said, uh, after like soccer practice when we all went in that gang shower and you have that coming of age thing in eighth grade, you're with a bunch of boys. Wow. Like that's what came out of it. Pete Dominic has a black, 
Like the, that's it's, that's it's wrong colored. because there's been no black person to ever have a penis as small as Pete Dominic. That's not untrue, but the point is a discoloration. Like it's just a weird rumor to begin, and like every all these girls that like what's the guy's friend, name? They're like, I don't want to say. Name? Full name is Mike Bristol. He hosts the radio show in Sirius. Are you uh, serious? Syracuse, New York. Yeah, old friend of mine. Oh, Tell Mike. What, Mike he destroyed me. Mike, it's Lisa Lampanelli here. Yeah. Do me a favor. Go on the radio tomorrow. And do not apologize for Pete Dominic. How dare you? And I, say it over and over. Because let me tell you, he's at the age where he should let it go. I was I can't let it go. I was performing <laughs> at Caroline's years after high school. It was a bringer show. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of my high school buddies came. Mm-hmm. And before the show, a really important show for me, oh, they no. gave me a gift. And I pulled it out. Oh, no. and it was a rubber dildo oh. that one of them had taken a black sharpie and colored the head and then i bombed i bombed that night okay i blame you for not having focus i Uh also blame you for carrying a sharpie uh you should always carry a sharpie did you have one on you at the time what would i have done with it you should have one as a celebrity. You always have oh, a right, sharpie yeah. at the ready to autograph them. Yeah. This shows your low self-esteem, which I think you should work <laughs> on. That's all I'm saying. I'm letting. I'm. I'm helping. Nobody's really wanted a lot of many autographs from me. And when I was on CNN every night, every, uh, sometimes people would ask. But uh, quit bragging. When people ask now, it's because they think I'm Daughtry. Yeah, that is. It's that's true. They really think I'm the wrong person. When I finally met Daughtry, by the way, people have been telling me I look like him for years. He didn't, but think no so. one ever told him that he looked like me because he's the really famous one in the, right. in the equation. So it was amazing to walk up to him and have him look at me because we do look very much alike. Right, and, right. And it was a, a definitely an eerie moment for for both of us. Well, let me ask this because we joke about you being horrendous looking and disgusting. However, you're not. That's why it's funny because you don't. If somebody really ugly came in here, I'm not going to go. You have good eyes and eyebrows. So yeah, you have features that aren't completely horrifying to the human sight. Which is better looking, you or Daughtry? I think he's probably better, a little better looking. Think a little bit. I'll post a picture of your arm. And his left nut. Yeah. And we'll see which is better. <laughs> I, well, I think what makes him better looking is that he's his talent. You know, like you could see a, a really ugly person goes on stage oh, and yeah. then they sing with a beautiful voice. You're like, oh, that's sexy. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So you're yeah. saying he's ugly but has a lot of talent. Yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I'm going to ask you one question. And you're my only straight. guest this week. Totally straight. <laughs> like the straightest like, person. And like straightest person. I'm more straight, so straight than everybody. Yeah, I'm the straightest. Pete, I sometimes ask my guests to bring in a big issue they still have and are working on. Do you have anything in your life? Because you've resolved that, you know, you worked on your marriage and it's come full circle and you're very happy. You have these lovely, delightful daughters. You have this, this quote unquote good job. What do you think? Is there anything in your life that plagues you or haunts you still? Every day, and this is somewhat recent in my life, I worry about losing what I have. So hmm. I am. I learned the lesson years ago about enough and Eckhart Tolle and uh, Marianne Williamson, who mm-hmm. who we now all know, and and uh, a lot of mentors in my life, a lot of self-help, uh, even Richard Carlson's stuff, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and, and more, uh, taught me that there at some point there has to be enough in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you achieve this and you get this, if you have an understanding of what it is, you have to be content with that because 
it, it, otherwise you're never happy. Yeah. You're, you always think, well, if I get this job, if I get this relationship, if I get this money, uh, this w- whatever, I'll be happy. And then you get it and you're not happy. And we as comedians know so many people yeah. like that. Well, I got it. I got it all. And I got are the, you content? So, so content. I have the greatest job I could ever imagine talking on the radio for three hours a day about things I care about and getting right. paid very well for it. I have an amazing woman who is my wife Mm -hmm. and two amazing kids. All of us have our health. I have a very nice home. Uh, I have health insurance. My parents are still like everything in my life is going great. I'm so worried about losing my job because I think about all the other things I would do in my career to make money and none of them are as ideal as the situation that I'm in now. And not only that, I lose my job. I lose my health insurance. My wife doesn't have health insurance. So in our situation, you know, it's not it's not a good financial situation because if I lose this gig, there's not a lot of this type of work that I have. I have a sweet gig in media. So I spend a lot of time, way too much time worrying about losing my job uh, uh, at Sirius XM on the radio. And it's it's uh, OK. If it's haunting, a haunting distraction. Yeah. Would you would you. Would you like some advice? If you yes, wouldn't? no, I'm. I'm, I'm look, a desperate. Need I've dealt of, with of this too. How to deal with this? Because I have two daughters and my wife, and you know this business. It's and by the way, it's not about um, this company. It's not about. I mean, more than anything else, about this industry that we're yeah. in, and and what my skill set is. And when I think about all the other things I would do, Lisa, it's like most of them require me to leave town. Right. And I don't like to leave town. I like right. to be with my family and my garden. Well, let's put it this way: kill the garden. That's no good. It's, I don't like it's, it. It's my lifeblood. It <laughs> brings me so much joy. It's what actually helps me. No, this. I like and, that. And during these times, I go out in the garden. And I'm just good. in the moment, and I love it. Well, this is what I want to tell you. That's what I think a lot of this is. First of all, contentment, I'm glad you're content. But contentment doesn't just stop at, hey, I'm content and happy. I don't want more. It has to extend to not catastrophizing and not worrying. So contentment ends the minute you start catastrophizing, which is, oh, my God, if I lose my job, we lose our health insurance, then we're all going to die. We'll be homeless because it always ends up in homelessness, it It seems, for anyone our age. So here's what I think. Getting back to that present moment almost as immediately as you see it happen is what it's about. No, I have this moment. Wait, I have this. Catching yourself is huge. And I think the resilience and the, 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 just the, the ability to bounce back from that thought will come quicker. So, yes, tomorrow you might spend 10 minutes agonizing over this. And if No, I'm going on a four-hour drive today. It's oh, yeah. literally the challenge okay. is how do I, during you this four-hour drive, bring not... it back to the present moment. You say, look at – I know this sounds super corny, but since you, get, since you understand the gardening stuff, it's like look at the trees – uh, bring it back back to the breath. Look at I'm breathing. I'll I'm be on alive. the Turnpike. Oh, well, there are Starbucks. And you could say, look at that beautiful logo. Look at the mermaid with no tits hanging out. You could say to yourself, I'm lucky enough to be in this car. It's all about gratitude. It brings if you bring it back to gratitude every time, then you can't obsess about the future. So the obsession can't exist with gratitude. So suppose you're obsessing and you go, what if we what if I lose a job? And then oh, oh, oh. Thank God I have a job. I'm so grateful I have kids. I'm grateful we're healthy. Then for a couple minutes, you bought time not worrying. Right. So it's all about bringing it back to the moment and gratitude. But then the other big thing is, guess what? Something's going to happen. Your wife's going to die. One of your kids is going to have an accident. No one gets out of this life without loss. Your parents are going to die or get sick. You're going to lose your no, limb. I don't believe anything limb. that you just said. <laughs> 
But the fact is... I think I'm going to lose a limb, but then... You never know. Maybe a finger. What? Probably. Guess what? It's not about never having loss. It's knowing that you're strong enough to handle the loss and get through it. Well, I've not had loss in my life. Right. So you and need so a I, loss. I so think... can I break your arm right now? You can, you I'm going to break yourself? your arm. Yes. With your bare hands? Or you I will, am. You have a ham? I'm very strong. This I doesn't seem like great <laughs> No. I think seriously the thing is... Knowing Kill my dog before I, you break my <laughs> knowing that you can handle loss. When's the last time? See, think about it seriously. Have you ever lost anything or been disappointed in something and you thought it was really horrible? What do you mean? You, I thought there it must, was really, no, no, like a hor- horrible felt, pain at the time. It felt really bad, either physically or emotionally. I, I think probably yeah, women relationships. Okay, yeah, you're alive. You somehow got through it. Your life's better f- that you're not in it. That pain somehow disappeared eventually because you worked on it. Well, time came. It it didn't. It wasn't as bad. Losing her in my life just wasn't as painful because she went to a woman and not a man. Okay, but still, it was your pain is your pain. Yes, I didn't feel like I could compete with that. You can't. And you know what? You can't compete with guess who? You can't compete with other people. You can't compete with anybody. You just got to live the best life Pete can live, and go. I'm worried about this. But I can handle what happens. But can I? Can I handle it? I mean, are you? I mean, I think you can because you've handled not becoming a successful comedian. (laughs) That's not a seminal moment, though. That must have been a dream of yours. It's not like they announced it at some point. (laughs) But all I mean is, I think people are afraid what would happen, and the fear is that we can't handle it. And I think, I think once you have. I think, first of all, stop worrying about it or the universe is going to test you and show you, here, here's how to handle it, mother effer. Yeah. And it's almost like you got to start. You manifest it by Keep going about. back to gratitude. Yeah. And I know it sounds corny and gratitude is such a hashtag now and it's so gross. But really, you're so lucky and fortunate. I, no, I think it's really, really like, like what I started by saying is that I'm really happy about what I've achieved in my life, in my career and in my marriage and mostly as a parent and I need to to be more thankful for whatever has brought that from luck and privilege to hard work and, and enjoy what I have and not be worried about what I don't have. Well, because you're taking the enjoyment out of it. I'm sad sad about that because I want you having worked as hard as you've worked and actually having a job that, pays well that's in your field and even better than traveling around to be a freaking hired hand at these comedy clubs and theaters. Yeah, no, I mean, even if I... Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, you know, as a comedian, we know we know the careers of comedians. And even if I had a fraction of the following that you did, even if I could sell a, a fraction of the tickets that you did, that'd be great because you made so much money. You did so well. You're like, you know, if I did, I would look at you and go, if I could do a fraction of that, that'd be great. But what I don't want I is know. the travel that would come with it. Oh, you know? it's horrible. And so the radio allowed me to combine all those things. I have a huge audience. Yeah, but guess what? I pick apart people. I'm sorry. You said allowed me to. You're almost acting like it's already in the past. It's what it allows me to. Well, do. It, it it shut it, up. It so <laughs> it has provided this lifestyle that I should be. Is what I'm saying. It is happening. Right. You're putting it like it's already over. So you're saying I should be thankful not only for yesterday and every day before it, but for this moment, being yes. in this moment. I I still have all of these things in my life and yeah, I should be happy that I do. Nothing disappeared yet. And something will someday. 
and you're not mentally ill so you can handle it. You won't die of grief. You'll be sad. You might not recover really quickly. You might have to mourn it for a long time and many years. But guess what? You're not going to die. You can't be killed by feelings. Will feelings it be, can't kill you. What if you're the first person I call when it happens? I would be thrilled because then I could laugh. No. You then would I, laugh right no, in my I face would totally but whatever the loss you. is. I would drive out to that godforsaken Orange County. <laughs> don't you live in Orange Rockland. County or something? <laughs> I don't know where it is. It is godforsaken. But isn't there a town named Orange, New it's, York? Uh, there is. But I live in yeah. Rockland. We have an above-ground pool you should set up. Uh, I will. Aluminum because those are classy. I think they all. <laughs> I know. I'm sure they're all made of the same very thin metal. <laughs> well, I had one made of platinum, so I'm just saying. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's now it's platinum? Last time I was there, it was gold. Oh, you are. yeah. I've upgraded. No, but I think you'll get... I think the knowledge, okay, for instance, my dad died and I'd been worried about my dad dying since I was five because it's just whatever child psychology thing happened with me, I worried and I was like, I can't live. I'll just kill myself. I'll just die if my father dies. So I spent a lot of my life worrying about him. Mm. When he finally passed away, unfortunately, I it was very sad and still is. And five years later, I'm like, oh, I've dealt with the feelings. I, they still come up, which is good. It's an honor. And I go, anything that happens now, I'm like, okay, I have history to prove I can handle it. So, but look how much I took away from our experience together if I'm worried Mm. about him. It's an honor. What do you mean? It's an honor. The feelings come up. It's an honor. And I honor it. What does that mean? I I feel them instead of stuffing it with food or a relationship that doesn't work or whatever. uh, Feeling sad has to happen. Yes. You can't go. Yeah. Or you don't appreciate the sun. Right. And, and you know, even though that sounds like a poster like Hang On Kitty where the kitten hangs No, I was reading from the poster in the studio. Yeah, it's really nice. Not? I love that. And it's like, hang in there. I love there. the way you've decorated the place. <laughs> no, I understand. I guess I've never really thought about it that way, honoring the negative feelings, feeling the feelings. Because if you don't feel the feelings, then you do something. To, to, to negate it and stuff it and numb it. And then you're stuck with some unresolved anger inside. Do you think that when people do have these losses or challenges and they turn to medication mm-hmm. that it's that it happens way isn't it happening way too much? Like have you thought have it's, you thought how much do you know and thought about like using anti-anxiety and anti mm-hmm. anti-depression? Did you ever use those? I think if people have an actual physical chemical mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. absolutely use pills. But I think don't you think we turn like I definitely medicate with with cannabis with weed. Well, see, yeah, I think you're stupid. Don't do that. Stop it. I, you don't need I it. I love it. Oh, well, I, I don't love care. It. it makes everything better. Yeah, but that's bad. Why? Because you're dulling your emotions. Do you think? Don't, yeah, we know you are. Come on, you know it. Or I don't ask. I, I, well, I think I. I think I don't think I'm you help. have a medical reason for it. Um, you don't have cataracts. I, I help, you don't have. I think it enhances pain. my ability to focus on a task. I think that's bullshit. I I don't. I think that's your sort of like. Hi, I, I'm getting away with something. I don't know. I think I struggled my whole life. My whole life finishing uh, menial tasks, cleaning my room, cleaning my office, cleaning the garage. And when I became a homeowner, I was a real mess. And then when I I smoked weed, not for that, but realized that as a result of it, I was staying on task. Well, hey. And it was helping me. um, And this is probably a better example of where maybe I should feel my emotions. But like Mm -hmm. certain things, uh, menial tasks that I have to perform because I'm not you and I don't have a landscaper. (laughs) Uh, Like I don't want to mow the lawn completely sober. Well, listen, first of all, I plant my own stuff if my guy doesn't show up. 
there you go. I'm just like you, Pete. I'll plant stuff if my guy doesn't show up every day. All right. How's that for you? What do you mean by this? Was that a metaphor? (laughs) No, I'm telling you, plant my stuff in the garden. Oh, I thought we were talking about weed. No! Listen, here's how I feel. I think anything that we put between ourselves and feelings does not help in the long run. Because suppose tomorrow you had to fly somewhere and there was no source of weed. You'd have to actually feel your feelings. I'd be fine, though. Because that happens a lot. I think I'm fine. It just makes certain things better. Yeah, I'll go weeks without it. See, maybe I'm super hardcore about booze, food, and drugs. I think I am that way about food. I think I'm that way about alcohol. Mm -hmm. I've never abused either. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a personal trainer for years. I think I'm generally a physically and emotionally healthy person. Mm I my brother went to rehab for drugs. I didn't have a drink till I was 23. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the taste of beer. I rarely if ever get like buzz much less drunk, but but weed and what I mean by my smoking pot is one puff Johnny. Like I've never smoked a joint. I don't even think I get stoned. I think it does just the tiniest bit that allows me to be better it at almost takes everything. takes the edge off, as you say. I don't know if it takes... Yeah, I said it about anxiety, but like when my daughters were really little mm-hmm. and they would want to play house with me at mm-hmm. role play, right. I, without weed, I would maybe get bored and impatient. I'm like, all right, this is getting repetitive to mm-hmm. my two-year-old. Right. With weed, I'd be there in five different characters the whole hour. I think for me, what it does is similar to what Ritalin and Adderall do for people with ADHD and I think I do have some of those elements of right. it and I and I I think it just enhances a lot of things for uh, me. L- let's put it this way. Like I don't know what the bad things are unless you're unless you're right and the bad thing is that I'm not feeling my feelings and not feeling my emotions but I don't know. I think- well listen, hey, I worry about this I don't think you'd have brought it up if you thought you were 100% right. Maybe you think you're 90% right and that's why you brought it up. That's fine. If you don't find it's detracting from your life, then it's fine. I don't. And no one in my life thinks it is. My daughters know I use it. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I I, 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 th- I brought I think I brought it up because it's I think that I was naming the good things in my life. And I mm-hmm. think that my life, a lot of elements of my life got better and easier to, to understand. Also, even more creative with when I started using cannabis. Well, listen, weird. Far be it for me to tell people what to do. But I don't like it for me. And I usually don't hang out with people who smoke and and drink. I just don't like it because it makes them different. So, but if this is limited doses, you don't feel you have to make an apology to anybody, then do your thing. At this point, I don't. I mean, if I saw a health effect or if it was like costing a lot of money or, you know, like I think a lot, I compare, I, I end up comparing myself to a lot of other men my age mm-hmm. and, and what, what kind of roles they're playing in their life. And I see all these guys that, and their interests mm-hmm. and they're so involved with a lot of their interests, which to me are destructive, kind of like, either destructive or they, they certainly take them away from their families. Yeah. And I have a lot of interest, but most of my interest is in my family yeah. and being with my family and doing stuff with them. But I, like, I don't want to go to the football game. Right. I don't want to be in your fantasy football draft. I don't want to go play cards with you there's all those well listen i think what it ultimately comes down to is if we can look ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day and said i did my best i did the right thing for me and if that's the right thing for you that's the right thing for you just because then i can't be friends with you because i'm anti-pot doesn't mean... well wouldn't then what can we can't we be friends as long as i don't smoke pot can i just with you pot brownies sure okay then we're i'm in (laughs) my wife got so high off a pot brownie (laughs) 
<laughs> she went to wash her hands in the sink, and I'll never forget the sentence she said, this water is wet. Oh, my God. I love her. I love her. Will you tell Valerie I said hi? She loves you. Listen, I'm going to say one thing, Pothead Pete. I'm going to oh say that I think oh you're terrific. I think that you don't have a problem with the weed, that you do the right thing with people. What do I know? I'm not an expert. I'm just an expert what I should do for myself. But you know an addict when you see what one, of, and I don't see an addict. What kind of husband am I? What kind of Fantastic. father am I? Terrific. What kind of, honestly, and I'm not even joking, what kind of homeowner am I? What, what are my responsibilities taking care of my home? I've gotten so much better at repairing. Oh, my gosh. So much of my stand-up act has been for years about learning to get better yeah. at, at my responsibilities, all of them. Right. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in every role of my life doing the right thing by people. Obviously, so plenty stop of mistakes. Worrying about it disappearing. Well, that's because the that just bring your mind back to the present. Bring your mind back to your breathing. Bring your mind back to gratitude. Because gratitude and worry cannot coexist. You need to just keep going. Moment, but, moment, moment but by what moment. What about Trump? Oh my God! Let's not even go there. But I am going to say one he thing: lives if in my people head. do talk about want to hear talk about Trump, they can listen to you on Insight every day, nine to noon on Channel One Twenty One and Sirius XM. Listen, we all know no one goes past one hundred and one on that dial. That is hilarious. However, if you do slum down the end of the dial, if Howard's on a repeat, if that your radio gets it, <laughs> if your radio goes that high. I always forget to listen to you. And I shan't after today. I will know. I'll be listening to that knowing that you're stoned as F. No, never no, on not, stage. Not, never on he's radio. not just never walking in here today. Nope, not here either. I was joking about that. I know. Pete, word I smelled. Listen, let me say one thing. I want to also say, where can they find you on social media? And do you even bother with it? I love it. Oh, uh, good. But I'm bad at it. Oh, I think I'm pretty bad at it. At Pete Dominic on Twitter and Instagram. I make a lot of mistakes. I don't mm-hmm. uh, learn how to um, uh, do the stories. And the, I, I don't know the functionality Here, I'll give you very two, well. I'll give you two yeah. hints. First of all, look at your story, the story part of Instagram, mm-hmm. like it is just day-to-day fun, silly things. Like you could, you could uh, put this clock on your Instagram thing and write something funny. Mm-hmm. Anything you want enduring that's kind of special – like video or whatever, you put on the feed. Yeah. So just separate it that way. No one wants you to clog their feed. I don't like social media in in the way that it comes into my mind Mm -hmm. that I should photograph and and share this. I don't like that in my life I have to think about sharing something. And it's not because I don't want to market myself and I'm not selfish and I want people to Mm -hmm. think my posts are important. It's just the idea, it feels like, speaking of earlier mindfulness, it feels like it's ruining a moment that I'm enjoying if I look at that clock. I'm like, why can't I just look at that clock? Why, I got to post about it? No, you don't. And that's how I But if you want to be successful, your advice is right. But I just don't, I I wish we didn't have to do it. Listen, we don't. That's when I started liking it. When a millennial, a couple of excuse me, millennials told me how to do it just for fun. That was like, oh my god, that's so cute. Like my my dog was sleeping the other day and he had two books near him, and I'm like, oh, Parker has a good reading list or whatever, just dumb stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's just fun. I'm not marketing. I'm just going, oh, you know, it just came naturally. It's not fun. Dog I advise. Read? He's a real good reader. Smart guy. Better shitter. Do not do it if it's not fun because people sense it's right, marketing. Right. Don't even I do don't it. Wanna, I don't want to no, do, do it, it just because it's good marketing. Yeah. When it occurs to you that it's really genuine is when you should do it. 
So if it doesn't occur to you, like that's like me and having kids. I never, it never occurred to me to ha- want kids. Good for you. So I didn't do it. Thank you. You. More people like that. Yes. Yeah, so well, especially people like me with emotional difficulties. Well, we all have that. I yeah. Mean, we're all well, going to put them. You're uh, so do. perfect right now. Not even remotely close. In pothead. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Pete, I expect not to see you on Instagram. And if you occasionally. Oh, no, yeah. At Pete Dominic on Instagram and Twitter, please. I mean, desperately want you to follow me. That's the reason I came here. But. But I yeah, but, wasn't. And who knows? The, 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 the spirit might move you one day and you'll say, oh, this is fun. You know what I'm saying? But don't get sometimes out of the it moment. Is. I do like it sometimes. I just don't like the idea of we're in a moment that you're having. I agree. Family, that you, don't that do it's, that. Oh, should I share this? Should I photograph this? No, it feels like to be good at it, you, you, you need. You, you don't. Because I don't do that and I'm no. good at it. So why don't you shut up? Okay. Okay. Pete, seriously, I love you. I love you. Everything I say about you jokingly, I do not mean. You know that from my heart. I love you. And you know that I think that you are the greatest in so many ways, but probably insincerely, no more than the Sally Jesse Raphael (laughs) lookalike. That greatest asset Yay. with the current phase of hair color. And glasses. glasses I know, I love it. Oh my God. Great. You Thanks. look great. I'm I've seen so you pretty. through every transformation. A- every weight issue, every freaking haircut. I, and I, and the, I think I think that the best gift you have given the world is your vulnerability and honesty about all of your struggles. Because oh. the idea that you are alone in that is preposterous. We all have so many different elements of it, some worse, some not as bad. But the fact that you've shared so honestly as a comedian uh, on stage, on Howard, now on the podcast and with people, it's you'll whatever the statue that is built to you, it will be a statue of your own vulnerabilities and insecurities so that we can all uh, honor them and praise them and learn from them because it's been you've been such an important person in so many people's lives. Oh, thank you. And you know what, Pete, that feels good because I obviously am a legend as a comic, but helping Huge. people, I think, is really where I should have always been. Yeah. And you know what? I got to say, I'm doing I'm going to segue this into a plug. Go ahead. I'm going to say that if you like what you heard that Pete Dominic just said that Lisa is a helpful bitch. Go I, to my I website. Didn't say that. I, I did. Use that word. I do. Helpful. Helpful. <laughs> Go to lisalampanelli.com. Look up all my food and body image workshops. I'm doing one at the world famous Cropalo in the Berkshires in November. I can help you find a little bit of peace around food and body image issues, which we all have. And also, my storytelling shows about those same issues, Fat Chance and Losing It, are all over the country. And Canada, if you can believe it. There's even fat people in Canada, folks. Go to lisalampanelli.com, follow me on Instagram, and I actually do post stories. I'm really effing interesting, and I will ruin a moment for you. Pete Dominic, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I love you, and uh, we'll be right back. Let Lisa hoop. What did we learn? What have we learned today? You know, I think I personally learned a lot today. I learned from my good friend, Pete Dominic, that even though your life is perfect, there's still that little thing inside you that might bother you that might be, oh, my God, is it all going to go away? And you know what? I think it all will eventually and you'll be able to handle it. So listen, listeners, take it from Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa Lampanelli knows you can handle the loss. Lisa Lampanelli knows that there's sadness and grief in life, and somehow 
the sun will come out tomorrow. Or if you're in Seattle or Portland, give it up. Just die because it never is sunny there. I mean, why do you live there? You're so stupid. Anyway, I love you all, and I will be back next week. Lisa help and scene. Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review.